God. Amen. Are you thankful that that's what your King is known by tonight? I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the grave. I'm thankful for the crown of thorns. But the part of that song that I love, it says, And in all that He does, in every part of His being, everything about Him is love. Amen. I am thankful tonight that that is the God that we serve. Amen. That my King is known by love. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. And I must say tonight that I am very uncomfortable being up here. Because honestly, I am not very good at what I feel led to talk about tonight. Brother Kilgore told the story of the first time he was a student at Bible college and he was asked to preach his first message there. And he said that he had felt what the Lord had shared with him to preach about. And he said that he was led to preach about the oil and he said it stirred him so deeply and he just knew that he had heard from God and he got up behind the pulpit that day when it was his time and he said he just felt so inadequate and so out of place he said he began trembling and tears were rolling from his face as He read his text and then he said, now I want every head bowed and eye closed. And he said, and when they all bowed their head and closed their eyes, I shot out of there and left the building. Now until you've been in a place where you feel a word like that, and you do feel so inadequate to truly deliver the word of God. We laugh, but I'm telling you, I'm just about there right now. If I tell you to bow your head and close your eyes, y'all might want to keep one eye open. I do feel so strongly that I feel a word from the Lord. I had planned on speaking something different tonight. But the Lord last night began to lead me in this direction and speak to me. Mark chapter 14, begin reading verse 32. It says, And they came to a place which is named Gethsemane, the place of pressing, the oil press. He saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. This is the strongest of the three Greek words in the New Testament for depression. Well, we don't like to use that word in the church. And Scripture says Jesus was tempted in all manner just as we. So if we face depression, don't tell me that God Himself in this moment where Scripture tells us He was very heavy. He saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. 
And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. Say the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now. And take your rest, it is enough. The hour is come, behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Tonight, for just a little while, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you on this subject. I've got to have a garden. I have got to have a garden. Father, I love you so much. God, I pray that you would help me get out of the way tonight. God, and that I would simply be nothing more than lips of clay for you to speak your word to us. God, to challenge us, oh God, to get us to a place. God, that we could find that place of private prayer. And died of this flesh and humanity. God, that we would die out to our agenda and our motives, God. And get our heart fixed on what matters again. And fix our eyes on the purpose that is set before us. We need your help tonight, God. Lead us in your precious name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Here in this scene, we see Jesus and we get a glimpse of a very private moment and are given three accounts of this prayer in Gethsemane. Jesus and His disciples find themselves in an upper room participating in Passover, breaking bread and drinking the wine that would be His body and His blood that was about to be poured out. And He is having this moment with them and telling them what is about to happen. And He knows that His friend has betrayed Him. And He knows that all of them would be offended at Him that very night. It was just how it was. It was written, Scripture says. He knew it was going to happen. John said, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him that night. But can you imagine what must have really been going on in his mind as he is trying to tell these men just exactly what is about to transpire, knowing how it all must sound. And they leave this upper room and then come to this place called Gethsemane. This place uh, that was not just a prayer room that he visited often. Luke tells us it was his custom. It was his place of prayer. 
But it was also a place where olives are crushed. It was a pressing place. And while he does turn graves into gardens, he also turns gardens into graves. He tells his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. He goes with twelve from the place counting himself, for Judas was out creating havoc. But then he goes further with three. And then he goes even further by himself. Showing you that there are times that even among your closest, that you have to put separation there to really get alone with God. And even when you've brought three that you know you can count on and trust, that there are times you still have to separate yourself even more and get to the place where it's just you and God and you really get down to business and you say, I've got to remove every distraction. I've got to leave the village behind. I've got to get into a quiet place and I've got to go to my place of prayer because I've got to get some things right in my life. Anything that speaks contrary to the voice of God and the direction that He gives is an evil report and is also considered Satan. For when God tells them to go inherit the promised land and they go and they come back with what Scripture says as an evil report, God was also trying to fulfill His purpose in Matthew And he's already struggling with this in himself. And the Bible says from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Can you imagine really trying to have this conversation with your closest friends, with those that love you, and you're telling them, I've got to go somewhere. They're going to mistreat me. They're going to be hard to me. They're going to spit on me and call me names. And they're going to crucify me on a cross. And the Bible says Peter took him, and he began to rebuke him, saying... Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not happen unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Peter, I understand where you're coming from, but you're operating in the flesh. You're not seeing the big picture, and you're operating in a way that you've allowed distractions in the influence of this world but I'm telling you I'm going to die but three days later I'm going to rise again don't get in my ear don't discourage me because I I've already gotten to the place where I need to visit a garden I've already begun to think about what it's really going to take and I've been struggling with it so the last thing I need is somebody close to me discouraging me from the purpose. The last thing I need is somebody telling me not to do what I am supposed to do. He brings three closer with him in this moment. And it is great to have others close to you in hard seasons. 
But when it comes time to go to that place, no one gets to go with you. For others, they can distract you from your purpose. Peter, James, and John, I want you to come and I want you to know that I love you. But if you go any further with me, it's possible you can become a distraction. If you go any further with me, it's possible that you may disrupt this whole thing. If Peter would hear what was actually being said, and if Peter saw what was transpiring, Peter may have once again interjected himself, opposing what was taking place. John may have even cried out, but when you go to the garden and you go to that deeper place, and you make up your mind you're going a little further, nobody can die for you. Nobody can intervene on your behalf young people mom and dad may have brought you here mom and dad may have come with you here but there comes a moment where you've got to go to a garden yourself and say I too have to go pray and I too have to make a decision that I'm going to do this and Peter and James and John I love you but this is about my spirit this is about my flesh And I've got to get my heart right. It was strange that men who a short time before had been protesting that they would die for him. But now they could not even stay awake and watch for one hour and pray. It's amazing what we will wait an hour for and what we won't. You ask somebody to pray for an hour and see the response and the reaction... But I want you to think tonight about things that you do spend an hour doing. Anyone will be with you when you're going up. But very few can be found when you go to the garden. The majority do not go that extra step. The crowds that were there, the multitudes that were there when bread and fish were being passed out are not there at the garden. They're not there when it's time to really commit to the purpose and cause of Christ. The majority will never make it to the place where the oil can really flow and be poured out. He tells them, I am struggling I am in a place that if I continue, it will not be good. Even Jesus wasn't comfortable just winging it. Even Jesus wasn't comfortable saying, well, let's just play this out and see how it goes. Let's just continue this journey and and let me go to the cross and let me be beaten and, and bruised for you and let's just see how long... I can stand. No, he said, I feel a heaviness. I feel something inside of me and I know what is coming and I have got to have a garden. I have got to find my place of prayer before I go one more step and I've got to get down and I've got to get serious and I've got to pray because my flesh is not on board, because my mind is not on board, because those around me are 
not on board. But it doesn't matter. I understand there is a cause and there is a purpose. And I have got to get into that place where I can pray. And I can pray. And I can pray until great drops of blood begin to pour out. And my humanity begins to die. And my flesh and my will is left dead in a garden and that I can walk away with my head held high and understanding that this is not the end but this is only the beginning but you don't get that mindset by praying for five minutes you don't come to that conclusion by kneeling down and saying your bedtime prayers and then sitting up you get that kind of commitment when you make up your mind that you're going to get in a garden and you're going to pray and you're going to pray and you're going to pray until something shifts and you feel the humanity is gone and you feel like your flesh is gone I'm telling you I'm a testimony of coming in with a bad attitude and a bad spirit and something just not right in your heart but a moment at the altar and you say God I can't get up I can't quit praying until something breaks inside of me until something transpires until I leave different than I came and time and time again God will get a hold of my heart and set me back in the right direction dying is not easy when some think of the garden they think of life but Jesus went to the garden that night to die And the weight of the sins of the world pressed down upon him. And at 33 years old, I can only imagine what Jesus felt. Only feeling like he had just begun. And now it's all coming to an end of his fleshly life. But it is here that we see Jesus very real and very transparent. As he said, if it is possible. If in any way possible, this could be different. If there's a way that I don't have to die. If I don't have to give up my life. If I don't have to have nails in my hands and my feet if I don't have to be mocked and shamed and put on display for the world to see if I don't have to have a peer, a spear pushed through my side if it be possible let this cup pass from me we know what he's praying about Peter, James and John can hear as he is crying out in agony and in pain and they know what he is praying about it's not a secret He doesn't go about this praying about things. He doesn't go to the garden praying about money and finances. He's not going praying for a bigger house for his mom. He's not going to the garden to pray about this situation going on in the world. He is praying to the point of sweating drops of blood in complete agony. And the garden is not a place for me to pray about Pilate's plan. The garden is a place for me to pray about God's plan. 
Amen. It's a place for me to say, oh yeah, the heathen are going to rage. Oh yeah, the enemy and the wicked, they come and they want to eat upon my flesh. They want to destroy me. But God, I'm not here to pray about all of that. I'm here to say, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Nevertheless, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my desires. It's not about my dreams and goals and ambitions. But God, what do you will in this situation? The garden isn't a place where I try to change God. The garden is a place where I ask God to change me. Where I say, God, I need you. I need you to change my mindset. I need you to change my heart and my life. It doesn't matter what Pilate does. It doesn't matter what the crowds are saying. The only thing that matters is what do you will? What do you want for my life? What do you want moving forward? Prayer contrary to what we have been taught and what we have spent our life believing is not about what we say to God to get our way. We've made prayer a time of petitioning God and asking God for all of our desires. And hear me tonight, prayer may not always bring divine healing. Prayer may not always change my circumstance. Prayer may not always open the way in the wilderness. Prayer may not always keep me from the fiery furnace or the den of lions. But prayer will always change me. Prayer will always prepare me. Prayer will always get me to the right place that I need to be for whatever situation I am about to embark upon. And it's no wonder that Daniel never stopped praying even when they told him not to because he said if I am going to a den of lions you better believe I'm going in there having prayed about going into that den of lions I'm not going to a cross if I first haven't gone to a garden and prayed and made sure my motive was right and my heart was right and knowing that God was on my side There are people who say that they've been talking with God and living for God. People that just seem to have all the answers for how things ought to be. And they claim to be Christian people, yet they're still hateful and full of malice and still causing problems. No one can believe them because when you are truly praying and you are truly dying daily, it changes you. It changes the way you talk. It changes your mindset. It changes the way that you dress and the way that you live your life. It causes you to think twice before you do something. If you're really praying, if you're really seeking the face of God, I promise you, it will change you. The garden isn't a place for me to ask for vengeance on Judas. The garden is about me. The garden is about me dying. It's that I must decrease. He went in there and he knelt down. And he said, my spirit. My spirit. My spirit 
is willing. It doesn't matter what their spirit is. It doesn't matter their attitude about all of this. It doesn't matter their mindset. My spirit is willing. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. It doesn't matter what their flesh is. It doesn't matter that they haven't prayed. It doesn't matter that they haven't sought the face of God. This isn't about them. This is my prayer closet this is the place I have come to and I've come to say my spirit is willing but my flesh is weak we're not talking about the crowd we're not talking about Barabbas we're not talking about the two on the cross beside me I'm talking about me it doesn't matter what Peter's spirit is and how many times he's going to deny me It doesn't matter that Judas sought opportunity to betray me. This is bigger than all of these things going on around me. I can't worry about the speck in their eye. I've got to go to a garden and I've got to find a place where I can be real and transparent before God. And I, if I am being honest, have found myself praying, Oh Lord, not your will, but mine be done. Oh, we don't, we don't say it in those words. We don't declare it quite like that. But we come in and we say, God, I want this. And God, I need that. And God, I want you to do this and God I want you to do that and I want to ask somebody tonight when was the last time you come in and say God what do you want to do about this God what do you want me to do about that God how would you like me to respond in this situation God I want to make sure that my spirit and my heart is right because what I've been doing whether I admit it or not is saying I want my will to be done I want what Landon wants to be done but God here tonight I'm telling you I've got to have a garden a place that I can go and say God not my will but thy be done and until my prayer changes until I shift the way that I am praying God then I am missing it there were people of God followers of God that had walked with him and lived with him and saw him work miracle signs and wonders and yet even they came and said teach us to pray teach us to pray oh we pray we do all the rituals we do all the things that we're supposed to do but would you teach us how to pray and he says when you pray pray in this manner our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done. You want to know what's wrong? You're praying my will be done. But something's got to shift. Something's got to change. Something's got to transpire in your spirit. And you've got to go to a garden and pray until you start praying thy will be done. Thy will be done. It doesn't matter what Peter wants. Thy will be done. It doesn't matter what the crowd screams. Thy will be done. It doesn't matter what Pilate has said. Thy will be done. It doesn't matter what all of the haters say. Thy will be done. 
It's not even that our heart is in a wrong place. It's that our heart just has to be in the right place. I'm never going to do the right thing by just praying a simple five minute prayer. And if five minutes is all you've got to pray, then please, by all means, pray for five minutes. But I'm talking about life decisions and choices that require you to do more than just spend five minutes praying. I've got to have a garden and I've got to pray until I die to this flesh. We want to point out the problems of others. We want to talk about whose fault it is. We want to discuss unfairness. Yet Jesus, who was blameless, who was perfect, who did no wrong, who I remind you is God in flesh. And He goes to a garden to get His heart and His mind right. And it didn't happen in an instant. He prayed for well over two hours before He finally felt release if a perfect person isn't dying in two hours then I'm not going to die in five minutes I've got to sit there a lot longer I've got to pray a lot harder I've got to push away some things a lot more because he was perfect he was blameless and he prayed for over two hours before he was able to face what was before him I'm telling you greater life what we are about to enter into is going to require some of you to find a garden and pray and seek the face of God and say I cannot go another step unless I've prayed I can't go another step unless I've really sought your face and let you be God in my life The passion said, Jesus is praying, if it be possible, take this away from me. Yet what I want is not important. My God, let that be our prayer. Yet what I want is really not important. What I desire is really not important. Because what you desire to give me is far greater than anything I want. What you desire to do for your children that you love, oh, is far greater than anything that we desire. Your word says you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. God, what I want is what you want. I want my heart to be your heart. I want my mind to be your mind. I want to be plugged in to you. But here's the problem. That is so contrary to the world that we are living in. As if dying wasn't already contrary enough. Scripture tells us men will be lovers of themselves. Doing that what is right in their own eyes. They will be chasing their own opinions and own ideas, giving heed to all these false teachings because it's what they want to hear. Our world says, well, you only live once. You only get to live once, so live it up. Have a great time. Enjoy life. Philippians 2.21 in the Passion says, For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves. 
instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to have a garden and we have got to silence our flesh. Because as long as the flesh lives, it has a voice. As long as my flesh is kicking and fighting, it will push against me when I'm trying to do what is right. It will fight against me when I'm trying to live right and say, no, 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 you don't have to go do all of that. When I'm trying to lift my hands, it'll say, no, you, nobody else is lifting their hands. And when it's trying to, the spirit's trying to pull you out in the aisle and the flesh is saying, well, no, nobody else is doing that. I'll stay put. Its voice will do anything and everything to keep me alive. There is inside each and every one of you a will to live. It doesn't matter what has happened. Our bodies will fight to stay alive. When Sarah's grandmother was pulled off the machine and they kind of just sat there and told us what was about to transpire, she said it could be minutes, it could be hours, it could be days or weeks or months. It's up to her because no matter how much we do, when it comes to this time, their bodies kick in and they fight to stay alive. They're going to do everything they can. to. It doesn't matter if they're conscious or not. The body doesn't want to die. It's the same in the spirit. When we go to a garden and we get there and we unplug the machine, it may be minutes, it may be hours, but it may be days that we have to keep praying. It may be days that we, God, I'm not stopping until I see death in my flesh. I'm not giving up, Lord, until I know that that flesh cannot come back and it cannot sway me in this decision my spirit is willing my spirit knows what is right and what needs to be done my spirit knows the next step and what sacrifices I'm about to make my spirit is on board but my flesh is weak Jesus dies here in the garden before a nail ever pierces his hands he dies in this garden before the crown was ever praised upon his head. He died before the spear ever penetrated his side. In the night, it would have been very easy for him to escape. He could have used what time he had left to point fingers. He could have used what time he had left to scheme and plan on this grand escape and a plan B. But instead, he uses his time to go to a garden. Because of the garden, there was a cross. Because of the garden, and the crown of thorns was not able to change his mind because of the garden the nails in his hand were not able to change the rock he was working with his hands it's not possible for him to do anything further than what he did but because he went to a garden and he killed this flesh and he said I've got to go further I've got to go again I've prayed an hour but I still don't feel settled 
world. I still don't feel comfortable. An angel has come and ministered to me, but it's not enough because I know what's about to happen. And the last thing I want is to be on that cross and they get ready to put the first nail in. And I say, hold on, hold on, I changed my mind. Hold on just a minute. They're sitting here saying, if I be God, I can have somebody come save me. I just might do that. But because there was a garden, because there was a place that He settled some things, in that garden, Jesus settled some things. In that garden, He made a commitment. And it didn't come easy. And it didn't come fast. But He said, I'm not getting up until I know I can finish this thing out. I'm not quitting until I know that my flesh cannot sway me and what I need to do. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter how I feel. God is loving and gracious. And He's compassionate and considerate about those things. But what God has for me is greater than I even realize. You do not die in vain. You do not die out to this flesh in vain. Jesus said for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. You can have joy set before you and still cry drops of blood. You can have joy set before you and still take a nail in your hands and in your feet. You can still have joy when a crown of thorn is put upon your head. Joy doesn't mean it's easy. Joy just means that it's worth it. I know what I'm doing this for. I know what I'm doing this for. I was reminded in the garden of the purpose. I was reminded in the garden of a purpose. And I know the next few moments of my life are going to be grueling. They're going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Oh, but if I can get past this. Oh, you don't know like I know what's coming. I have not seen ear hath not heard neither hath entered into the heart of man what I'm about to do all you've got to do is get on board all you've got to do is find you a garden and get on the same page let's all stand Romans 8 and 18 he said for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If you could only get your eyes fixed again on what really, really matters. It's a few Saturday nights ago in prayer, I was over here praying. And as I was praying, God gave me a vision and He took me into an optometrist room. And as I went in, I saw this vision. If they could put that picture up, Brother Chad. Many of you have seen this image before. And you go into that room, and as I was walking in this room, this is all that I saw before me. 
And I'm sitting there puzzled why in the world God was taking me into this room and why God was showing me this image. And I felt God speak so clearly to me. And He said, my purpose has never changed. The image that is before you does not change with each one that walks through these doors. That is the purpose. That is the vision. But each one does not see that image the same way. Because there are some that their vision has been skewed. There are some that do not see so clearly because other things have blurred their vision and has distracted them and has swayed them. And now the purpose of God and the plan of God that has been set before them They're sitting there trying to make it out and trying to figure out what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to go about this. And we're looking and we're squinting. And God said, my desire is to begin to write prescriptions again to each one. And your prescription doesn't work for this one over here. Your glasses don't work for this one over here. Your eyes don't work with this one over here. You see things differently than I see things. And that's okay. But when it comes to this, when it comes to the purpose and the plan of God, we've got to make sure that we all see it clearly. And that we make sure that we see what God is wanting us to see. And that we're not missing it. It's the joy that is set before us it is hope of glory that is set before us it's a day where our sons and daughters come back to him it's a day where revival is breaking out it's a day where people are being baptized in Jesus name on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday it's the picture that God has set before us God, fix my eyes. Fix my eyes, O Lord. Fix my attitude. Fix my heart and my spirit. Fix my perception of all of this, O God. And that is what Jesus did when He found Himself going to a garden. God, press me until something worthwhile begins to come out. God, press me until the oil begins to flow. You can sleep if you want and you can stay back if you want. But I have got to have a garden. See, some of us sit back and we say, Oh, I know who he's talking about. I know who needs a garden. I know who he's talking about. I'm talking about me tonight. My spirit is willing. I am talking about me tonight. I am talking about you tonight. I am talking about your spouse. I am talking about your children and your young people. We all need a garden in our life again. 
And the garden is not something that we rally a troop together and go pray together and pray with those around us. The garden is a place that I come to alone. The garden is a place I separate myself from anything that may distract me, from any person that may distract me, from any voice that may try to get me to do something different. And I find my place in that prayer closet. I find my place on a stump in the middle of the woods, in that garden. Oh, and I cry out, God, my vision is skewed. My heart, my spirit is willing, oh God. But my flesh is weak. Oh, I wish all over this house you would find you a garden tonight. Separate yourself from those around you and find a place. And say, God, if I miss the restaurant tonight because I've got some things that I need to die to, so be it. God, if I miss an opportunity to do something else, but God, if I found a place to die to my flesh, fix my eyes. I'm not here about Judas. I'm not here about Peter and Pilate. I'm not here for them. I'm here because I need to settle some things in my spirit. I need to know moving forward, God, that my flesh does not get a voice. That my flesh doesn't get a vote, God. Because the purpose has already been set. God, before I ever carry a cross and follow you, I've got to deny myself. I have got to have a garden. Oh, my spirit. My spirit is willing tonight, God, but my flesh is weak. God, if you prayed that prayer, if you felt like your flesh was weak, oh God, then I need to stay down for longer than five minutes. God, I need to stay on an altar longer than five minutes. God, I need to die to some things. God, I need to turn some things off over the next few weeks. God, I need to silence the voices of those around me for a few weeks. God, and I need to get alone with You. I need to find purpose again. I need to get joy again. I need to get my heart right again. Come on, church, find a garden right now. Come on, dying's not easy. It's not something you're going to want to do tonight. Oh, but God, give us courage. Give us strength to do it, Lord. Hayakaya lolomoyo sakaya bahaya.